This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hello there and welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. It is a Monday morning, the 30th of January, and this is what we've got coming up for you today. First up, looking at some of the big economic stories that are going to be moving the market this week. Analysis from the team at Emirates NBD. Fed rate meeting starts on Tuesday. Decision is out on Wednesday night. What else have we got? Insurance. So many questions coming in about insurance claims following the rains. So we got an insurance broker in, Anthony Churchi from Nexus Insurance Brokers, joined us in the studio. What else can I tell you? Always enjoy speaking to Michael Berlui from Wizz Air Abu Dhabi, the low-cost airline, or as he describes them, an ultra-low-cost airline. Six-fold increase in passengers last year, so they are ramping up capacity. And finally, staying with travel and tourism, hotels in Dubai. No surprises, we're going to get more of them this year. A 9% increase in hotel rooms. Again, the thoughts of Faraz Ahmed of JLL Mina, the consultancy. First up, though, let's dive into some of our big stories. Brandy's not here, so we could talk about sports, Tom. Serena Kelly mentioned it. She mentioned the Wrexham game there yesterday, owned, of course, by the Hollywood actor Ryan Reynolds. He was at the game. Looking good. Turned up to the game. Uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, and good on them. They are they are seeing the fruits of their significant investment into the North Walian Club, uh, one of the oldest grounds uh, in the Football League, one of the most uh, fated clubs in the Football League, obviously immortalised in a recent um, behind-the-scenes series. Did you watch it? Welcome to Wrexham, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's very good. Does Ryan feature prominently? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, a lot, yeah. And he was at the game yesterday, and, and you know, it's, it's having the effect. It's not everyone's cup of tea. But what was the report I was reading over the weekend that they can't they can't print uh, Wrexham tops and and merch quick enough at the moment. Um, there are queues outside the uh, merch uh, the the clubhouse, if you like the the, the club shop. Uh, but they can't they can't get their hands on enough merch because they are shipping so much the United States and Canada at the moment. Is that because he's Canadian, isn't he, Ryan yeah. Reynolds? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I watched the interview he did. It's brilliant with um, David Letterman. My next guest needs no introduction. Ryan Reynolds at his house, and um, he was saying, "Really close to my family." You know, there's no sob story. You know, he said, "Just had a really good upbringing in Canada. Really nice family. Not wealthy, not poor, just great." Um, one of his brothers is a teacher. The other is a mounted policeman. Yeah, doesn't get any more Canadian than that, does it? He's a Mountie. <laughs> no, it was good, but and and well done. You know, I mean, we had something of the Hollywood script yesterday, didn't you? With um, with Wrexham taking uh, the lead against their uh, higher league opponent, Sheffield United. Yesterday, they scored in the 86th minute to take a three-two lead against um, ten-man Sheffield United. It reduced to ten men, uh, only for. The hearts to be broken. Ninety-fifth um, minute equaliser from Sheffield United. I mean, the Hollywood scriptwriters and the. Uh, I don't think it's a Netflix series, but whoever's doing the series must just be licking their lips at the moment. <laughs> and they get their sort of their big money uh, replay up at Sheffield United now. So bigger ground, bigger club. Um, well done to Wrexham, non-league, non-league team. Happy days. A big focus on sport in the UAE at the moment. Of course, we got the Ras Al-Khaimah golf happening in just a couple of days' time. First up, though, unfinished business down at Emirates Golf Club. We have got a fifth day of play of the Hero Dubai Desert Classic. Right then, business stories that we're covering for you today. Massive week. Uh, it's Fed week. So the Feds are out in force. 
Meeting begins on Tuesday. Decision comes out about 10pm Wednesday night here in the UAE. Will they stick or twist when it comes to interest rates? Brandy's been speaking to Ed Bell, Senior Director of Market Economics at Emirates MBD, and she began very simply, what are we likely to see from the Feds on WEDS? So it's going to be quite a full calendar of central bank meetings this week with the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank and the Bank of England all holding their first monetary policy meetings of the year. Now, the Fed is really going to be the highlight of the week when they meet uh, on Wednesday. And we expect that the Fed is going to hike rates by 25 basis points. And that'll take uh, policy rates in the U.S. up to 4.75%. Market expectations right now are basically a near certainty that the Fed is going to make use of a quarter point hike. That's going to be a considerable slowdown from the 50 basis point hike that we saw in December and the 75 basis point moves that the Fed did several times in 2022. And I think we've been really alluded to this in the market from a string of Fed speakers that have basically been talking up the fact that the economy is in a position where it can now uh, absorb a downshift in monetary policy. So what does it mean for us? What if you just borrowed 100 million dirhams to build a small oil refinery in Ras al Khaimah or Fajarah? So while the scale of the interest rate hike now may look more or less like a given, uh, I think what markets are going to be watching out for quite closely is the commentary that we get from Fed Chair Jerome Powell around the meeting. We expect that he might use some still quite hawkish language and be trying to prepare the market that while rates are going up by smaller increments, they are still going to be going higher and they may potentially be going up even more over the course of 2023 and being held at higher levels. That is going to translate into higher interest rates here in much of the GCC, including in the UAE, given the dollar peg to the Durham. So that's going to be more expensive borrowing um, for homeowners or for people who have mortgages, uh, car loans, uh, large corporate loans, that kind of thing. It is going to be a more expensive investment environment in that respect. Well, let's talk about the state of the economy. Almost 3% growth in the fourth quarter of last year in the United States. A lot of people, though, predicting a recession in the United States this year as the Fed raises rates. What's the MBD view? Are we going to get a soft or a hard landing for the U.S. economy? There has been a pretty remarkable shift in, I think, optimism about the U.S. economy since the start of the year. Not that long ago, even as as recently as December last year, everyone was preparing for 2023 to be a real downer of a year, really negative in terms of the prospect for growth, basically penciling in uh, recessions across all major economies, including the United States. The data flow that we have had has confirmed that, yes, a slowdown is happening, uh, but it's happening along with still decent levels of activity in the labor market with slowing price growth. So all in all, those components do look like a sort of soft landing, which a lot of central banks have been kind of ridiculed about getting as a target for what they were trying to do with interest rate policy. But so far as we stand right now, it does look that we're in for a slowdown. It might be relatively mild. And because it is one that the Fed is effectively inducing through the higher interest rates, it could be turned around relatively quickly if they choose to do so. Thursday morning on the Business Breakfast, we will, of course, bring you all the numbers from that Fed decision. Also, commentary from Jerome Powell and the team and analysis of what it means for us here in the UAE. Other stories we're covering today, we are on Adani Watch. This is Gautam Adani, the Indian billionaire. $50 billion wiped off his fortune last week. Shares start trading in Mumbai in about half an hour's time. Abu Dhabi... 
based IHC was considering another big investment in the Adani Group. But what's going to happen next? We'll look at the IHC story in a couple of moments' time. First of all, let's hear from Gautam Adani, not talking about uh, the, 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 the short-selling report from Hindenburg that has caused such a rumpus at the moment. This was him speaking a couple of months ago in happier times, talking about digital transformation. The combination of India's youth and growth in the middle class will accelerate our nation digital transformation. I believe that the digital ecosystems we are creating will generate a significant additional uplift of 100 to 200 basis point to our anticipated 7 to 8 percent nominal GDP growth rate. That is Gautam Adani speaking a short while ago, and he did say over the weekend uh, that the the report by the short seller Hindenburg Group criticising the Adani Group and accusing them of widespread fraud. It's a calculated attack not just on his company, but on India, the nation, its institutions and its growth story. And he said the allegations are nothing but a lie, issuing a 413-page response over the weekend. And just to recap, the UAE is involved in this. I've read the Hindenburg report. I did a quick search. UAE mentioned seven times. Dubai mentioned once. We're at the periphery, but there is a role there. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Well, I was going to say that the sun might have come out. Not yet, really. And it might be a little bit dodgy today. Who knows? But uh, uh, certainly yesterday was a lot better. Beautiful weather here in the cross the UAE yesterday. However, uh, the impacts of the rain still being felt. Um, a number uh, of restaurants, shops, businesses and, of course, homes uh, are obviously uh, suffering with some of the effects from the rains over the weekend. Uh, not great news for business owners uh, and tenants, uh, but what does it mean for the insurance agencies here? Well, we're now joined uh, by the head of general insurance at Nexus Insurance Brokers. Friend of the show, uh, Anthony uh, Chekiai joins us live here in the studio. Anthony, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, everyone, the listeners. Thanks very much indeed for being with us. Now, um, the events of the rains, I mean, pretty unprecedented, the sort of rains, with the amount of rain we have seen fall in the last couple of days. Simple question to you first and foremost, do we see an uptick in insurance claims straight after the rains? Yes, indeed. Uh, people are seeing their uh, claims coming and obviously the flooded garage uh, insurance claim for small businesses, businesses, restaurants, as you said, and obviously immediately they call us and they ask for a quotation. Mm. Homes, businesses, both suffering uh, accordingly at the moment? Unfortunately, Tom, equally suffering. Mm. What about the sort of the spikes in recent years? I mean, we've seen more rains in recent years. Uh, the UA making no secret of the fact that uh, the cloud seeding program has been increased, etc. We've seen more and more flights going up uh, to, uh, to, to seed the clouds. Have we seen bigger spikes in claims in recent years? Indeed. Uh, before coming here, I was uh, reading our insurance report and we've seen it that globally last year in 2022, there were $313 billion on claims wow. related to weather, natural catastrophe. Don't, don't look only here, but look at the United States. You've seen it uh, this winter, a catastrophe happening there with heavy snow, rains, and obviously the hurricane season in the, in the Caribbean, everywhere in the world, in China, everywhere, India, everyone is suffering. And obviously in certain parts of the world, also drought. Yeah, this is not 
as you say, unique to this part of the world. This is a global issue at the moment. So is that therefore becoming a global issue for the insurance businesses the worldwide? In, indeed. I mean, uh, the uh, weather-related uh, claims is the largest part of claims in the world for the insurance market. And that's why the reinsurance uh, is paying this claim. And the other, the other uh, phenomenon that you see is raining more concentrating in certain areas. So we see that is what we call it water bombs. And basically, the concentration of rain in three days could be the one that normally in the old days, we've seen it in three months. Mm. Let's talk about those out there and a number of questions coming in from our listeners with good reason as well. If, if your home has been affected by the rains over the last over the course of this weekend, um, who, who traditionally pays? Is it a tenant issue? Is it a landlord issue? Now, obviously, you have to look at your, um, we're talking about uh, consumers. Uh, no, I don't know if it, you're talking about restaurants or enterprises. No, just homes, just residential but homes. But homes, you have to look at it at your contract. Uh, the maintenance, obviously, is always the landlord uh, responsibility. But of course, I mean, you have to apply also a common sense. If you see that uh, the, there's a leaking in your, uh, in your roof, in the ceiling, and the television, the stereo isn't there, please remove it. So there is also a common sense that you use it to protect your properties and and obviously also risk management from the from the building and of course you know when it's raining it's always raining in a certain parts of your home so take care of these things now there would be a suggestion we would assume that obviously one of the things we saw the byproducts of covid19 lockdowns and people wanted space we heard a lot more people uh, were saving money to buy homes in order to have that space that would suggest there are more new homeowners out there plus spike in population here yes. in dubai across the uae as well is that the case at the moment? Are we seeing more homeowners at present? And are those homeowners well-educated when it came, comes to insurance claims? Well, uh, as, a, as a responsible brokers, insurance community, we always tell our clients, please buy home insurance. It's very affordable. It's very cheap. It's available. You've got multinational companies, local companies offering. And it's one, personally, one of the best insurance that you can buy in Dubai. And traditionally, and I know we've spoken about this in the past, you know, a lot of people have come here. They look at it as a short-term posting. They say, we're already here for a couple of years. Do I really need home insurance? It's a safe secure place we're not going to get burgled etc how do we change that narrative is that narrative changing now a lot tom a lot you notice that uh, for example i came to this country thinking i was here three years and now it's 15 years i'm in dubai so i mean if i use that i mean lots of your listeners are are coming here people love to come to dubai there's a great opportunities and obviously you also start buying your own stuff you want to protect you protect your car you protect your children you protect your uh, assets Home insurance, it's a very cheap, affordable way to protect your home. And do people fully understand their policies as well? Obviously, obviously, a lot goes into insurance cover. Do people understand the things that it does cover and things that it doesn't cover as well? Recently, it's been a huge effort to have the, the policy written both in Arabic and in English, ah, plain English. Okay. And uh, it's very, very uh, clear what is covered, what is not covered. And obviously, always go to a, a broker, to an agent and ask the questions that you would ask for when you buy any other product. Um, what's In terms of what's worth claiming for, I mean... Are you getting claims through of people coming down to the, the tiniest little minutiae as well? What's your sort of advice to people when it comes to claims? Obviously, you'll have to use the common sense even here. Uh, uh, 
a carpet, a, a very valuable carpet, yes, you have to claim it. Uh, a television, you have to claim it. Don't only think about flooding now with small claims. The, the biggest part of the claims that happens in home insurance is also the fire. Mm. And the fire, you get destroyed basically 90, 90% of your possession. So obviously, you have to claim everything. Mm. We can't have a conversation about insurance without talking about premiums. They go hand in hand at the moment as well. Again, increase in rain, therefore increase in claim. Are we seeing increase in premium? It could be. Uh, reinsurance market normally renews 1st of January, but uh, we think that uh, in the first quarter of this year or second quarter, we'll see a spike uh, in the insurance premium. So I advise all the listeners to buy insurance as much as possible before the increases. Just finally, on the sort of the, the macro level here, yeah, we're talking about a lot of sort of specific cases here, but the industry as a whole, um, in relation to the weather events and the increase in weather events that we're seeing at the moment, are we seeing a shift in the industry, are we seeing a change at the moment? Yes. I mean, when I started in the 1990s in the London market, uh, there were very few reinsurance regarding uh, natural catastrophes. Now, today, it's, it's the biggest part of the insurance claim worldwide. As I said to you, it's not only in this part of the world, but it's affected everywhere in the world. Anthony, you're a good man. Bless you. Thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you. You were, you, no, Claire, you were okay? The rain didn't affect you? At all. At all. Look at that. The man is blessed. Thank you so Thank much you. indeed. Anthony Chetkia joining us live here in studio. He's the head of general insurance at Nexus Insurance Brokers. Anthony, thank you very much indeed for joining us live here on the Business Breakfast. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Well, we've got a big focus on travel and tourism today. One airline benefiting from that is Wizz Air Abu Dhabi. They saw a six-fold increase in passengers last year. It was a record year for them, although, to be fair, they've not been around that long. And they are ramping up capacity. Let's get more on this story. Delighted to be joined on the line from the nation's capital by the managing director of Wizz Air Abu Dhabi, Michael Berlui. Michael, thanks for being with us. Hi, Richard. Great to be here. Talk us through 2022. Was this just a COVID comeback or something more? I think um, the airline was set up during COVID, so obviously, like you mentioned, it's still early years for us. But um, it's it's been a massive increase and a great customer response. We offer a very unique uh, product, and we're um, getting a lot more people to travel that previously, even before COVID, was not able to because of the high fares. Well, you say you offer a very unique product, um, but Air Arabia Abu Dhabi is a low-cost carrier hubbed out of Abu Dhabi Airport. Um, yes, but... Air Arabia, Fly Dubai, um, they are low-cost carriers, but what Wizz Air really goes for is an ultra-low-cost carrier. And when you look at the fares between Air Arabia, um, Fly Dubai, and Wizz Air, there is a significant difference. The, the our way We pull price up in salaries, um, giving people more options to travel, whether you want to buy a bag or not. But ultimately, the fares is what dictates um, for us, and our fares are much, much lower than anybody else in the UAE. And so... How do you manage this? I mean, we've spoken to you and some of your colleagues in Budapest about the Wizz Air business model in Europe and here in Abu Dhabi. As you say, not just a low-cost carrier, but an ultra-low-cost carrier, and yet very, very profitable and, and successful. Just talk us through how the economics stack up. So for us, um, to be ultra-low-cost, it has to be very simple. We only operate um, one um, aircraft type, the A321neo. We operate basically market-leading technology um, on that aircraft. We also operate the highest density 
on that aircraft known in the world. So ultimately for us, for us to get the low cost, it, it's a simple model. We, you know, we do it every day, multiple times a day on, on one single aircraft. And it's ultimately about putting as many people on uh, the aircraft as possible, because then you can spread the cost over more, basically, bombs. Who who's who's buying the tickets? Is it people based in Abu Dhabi or is it people flying into Abu Dhabi? Um, we have significant uh, market segments coming into Abu Dhabi. For example, Tel Aviv is very strong there. We also have a lot of people from Abu Dhabi and even from Dubai that um, have second homes in Sarajevo that, that want to go there. And we have a lot of people just basically visiting friends and family, which previously they were not able to do. And now they can. You are ramping up capacity in 2023 to meet this demand. What does that look like? What's the fleet now? What's it going to be like when you and I sit down to our, our Christmas turkey on the 25th of December? Sounds good. Um, we have eight aircraft currently, like I said, all A321neos. We are receiving at least four to five aircraft next year. So we will see another probably 50% more destinations. That's next year, 2024 or 2023? This is 2023. Right 2023. now we have eight, yeah. What about plans for Saudi Arabia and a hub out of Riyadh? Um, so we're slightly different. Um, I'm uh, with Abu Dhabi. That's part of the Wizair group. I think um, we have um, flights into Dammam and we're launching Medina very soon. We have The Wizair group has flights into Saudi Arabia from Europe. There are uh, basically discussions going on to set up a new um, airline in Saudi, but that's still at the discussion stage. Okay, fine. And in terms of new routes that you're going to be opening up, you'll add extra capacity on existing routes, but there'll also be new routes. When you look at the at the sweet spot for Wizz Air, what are you seeing? Are you seeing Central Europe going north? Are you seeing going east? And very difficult to get landing slots in, in India. We know that at the moment. Are you, are you looking at west into Africa? When you get your map out, where are you putting pins in that map? Okay, so we're very strong out of um, Eastern Europe. Uh, we have, we're now starting to expand into Central Asia. That's a, a very good, a good market for us right now. We've launched flights to Uzbekistan. We have um, Kazakhstan. And we're looking at other countries in that region. Of course, you know, India is a, is a big uh, market for us. And definitely, we want to go there. But it's very difficult um, to get landing slots, isn't it, to India? We know what they call it, the aeropolitics of it. You'll know this well. Everyone wants yeah. more flights to India. Gaithal Gaith at Fly Dubai would love to put on more flights to India. It's just hard to get those slots, isn't it? Yeah, well, we have capacity from the from Abu Dhabi um, specifically. And right now, we're actually um, applying for operating permits. And we're hoping to get that in the next six months. Great talk to you. Appreciate your time this morning. Best of luck with that. Sixfold increase in passengers in 2022 for Wiz Air Abu Dhabi. That's the managing director, Michael Belloui. Sticking with the aviation and Honeywell expects the MENA region to be high growth area uh, for the remainder of this year as it looks to increased use of AI in buildings and a return to pre-COVID capacity in the aviation sector. Uh, the region as a logistics hub, as an aviation hub. Uh, tourism, I think, will come back for the region as well. There's strength really across the board. Those are the thoughts of the president of high growth regions for Honeywell, Ben Driggs, speaking to the national newspaper uh, over the weekend. In fact, he was uh, speaking to them uh, during the uh, WEF meeting over in Davos. Honeywell, obviously, two largest industries are energy, um, where they work closely with the real estate industry and, of course, aviation so they are bullish about all things uh, 2023 tom can i ask you about posh merch yeah lvmh 
Oh, yeah. You've been looking at some numbers coming out of, well, the world's richest man, Bernard Arnault. Yeah, the the numbers were good, that's for sure. Uh, the LVMH numbers uh, coming out over the course of the, uh, the weekend, uh, suggesting that uh, uh, the... Uh, where are my numbers gone? Lost my numbers. They're I don't really know. Good. I know. I know you're more of an MH than an LV man yourself. They but. were. They were. They were. They were very good numbers. It just struck me because obviously we're into earnings season at the moment, uh, and we have seen some interesting numbers coming out of a number of the uh, other big companies around the world, and also than a couple of the banks here in the region. Certainly, the way that those numbers were read. LVMH, though, yet again, good numbers coming out solid. We've seen a couple of the other billionaires in the top 10 list having a few issues with their personal <laughs> wealth, but no, not for LVMH. People still want them belts. Shall I model got yours it? on today? I've got you? mine on today. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas present from Erin Dorsa. I contributed to annual sales up 23% That's at it. LVMH yeah. to 79 billion euros for last year. That is significant profitability up by 17% as well. Inflation? I mean, what inflation? It's a behemoth, isn't it? Uh, belt tightening? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bernard Arno is the world's richest man. We'll <laughs> check out his uh, net worth. But as Tom alluded to, someone else in the top 10 of the Bloomberg Billionaires Index is Gautam Adani of India. He's not had a good seven days or so. We're going to get more on that, not just today, but also this week. Producer Shruti Rajendran is in India at the moment. She's back tomorrow morning. We're going to have a lot more detail on her, on just what the mood in the ground is like Mm. in India at the moment. Because Mr. Adani says, this is not just attack on me and my company. This is attack on the integrity of India. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Very briefly, should we hear from David Solomon, the CEO of Goldman Sachs? He sounds a little bit like this. Because Dave Side Hustle is a DJ. That's his latest song that dropped on his Instagram really? account. Yeah. Nice. He's a DJ. Regularly DJs. Well, are... I know he does, but I thought he played everyone else's music. I didn't realise he'd no. create his own. That's with uh, that's a collab with TWC. I don't know. Anyway, trendy. Down with the kids. Uh, Dave um, probably earns more money at Goldman Sachs than he does DJing, even after his pay cut. $25 million he's going to get paid for last year. Down from $35 million. I was looking at one analyst in the US saying, okay, this is just a PR stunt, you know, thousands of job cuts, he wants to be seen for taking one for the team, but even if it is just a PR stunt, it matters. Mm. Optics matter. Yeah. So, he's done the right move. Yeah, exactly It's not a bad song either. Not a bad song, Um, and with that that bonus, then uh, you can invest in some new headphones. (laughs) Can't you just... Let's talk about hotels now for us, Ahmed. He's an associate uh, with JLL Mina, associate in the research department at the Real Estate Consultancy for us. Good morning. Thanks for being with us today. Good morning, Richard. And it's a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Well, you're most welcome. Appreciate your time getting up early for us joining us live on Microsoft Teams if you're watching on Dubai One TV. So your new hospitality report is out. The forward-looking headline that we've picked up on is that we're going to see a 9 or 10% increase in the number of hotel rooms in Dubai this year, 2023. We will get to that for us. First of all, though, can we look in the rearview mirror? Because you also look at 2022. We all think of it as being a banner standout year for Dubai hotels. But what does your number crunching tell you? Yeah, 2022 has been a great spectacular year for the hospitality sector. 
In terms of numbers, we saw roughly 6,800 6, keys being delivered in 2022, and this brought the total stock to 148,000 keys. In 2023, we are expecting another 13,000 keys to be delivered, and majority of these uh, deliveries will be in the four and five star category. That is what is on the supply side that I have. Right, 13,000 keys new this year. How many tourists extra do we need to fill those rooms? Can we kind of compare apples and oranges here? Okay, so in terms of supply, when we are talking, uh, comparing that to tourists, I will firstly, again, take a retrospect view. So historically, materialization rate in the hospitality sector has been close to 50%, and we are seeing six to 7,000 keys being delivered in the last three to four years. So again, in, this, in 2023, you can expect the same and the rest of the supply to move forward in the following year. In comparison, now looking at overnight visitors, what was very interesting in 2022 is we have seen a, a significant increase in overnight visitors. According to the data from Dubai Economies and Tourism, it shows that around 12.8 million overnight visitors uh, were welcomed by the city in 2022. This is for the time period of January to November 2022. Now, in comparison for uh, for the same period in 2021, there were only 6 million visitors. So we are already in a very strong position. It's a while since I studied economics, but I do remember the supply and demand curve. And the basics 101 was that if supply increases, then prices fall. With this 9 or 10% increase in the supply of hotel rooms this year in Dubai, will we see prices fall for four and five star hotel rooms because we have been expensive over the past 18 months. Okay, so if you're comparing in the past six to 18 months for the ADRs, then you can, you that's what I Sorry, believe just you're a, coming a, a, from. ADR is average daily rate, yeah? Yes, average yeah. daily rates. Yeah, go on. Now, in terms, in terms of uh, supply and demand, we are, I wouldn't say you can expect any reduction because that, uh, what is more interesting over here is that supply is, we have a strong supply pipeline. At the same time, we have strong demand coming from new source markets so, as well as old ones picking up. One of these key source markets was China, and we have seen a lot of tourists. Well, so China was in the top 10 tourist markets pre-COVID, and during the restriction period, uh, what we saw is these numbers decreased. Now, as the restrictions have been eased in that part of the world, we can expect to see these numbers come up again. And that is one of the key drive. that would be one of the key drivers for the demand side of things. Okay, so you demand strong, you say, but let me put it to you that we're going to have a couple of headwinds in 2023 in terms of demand for travel to Dubai. We haven't got an expo. We had one last year. We haven't this year. We haven't got a World Cup in Qatar. And we know Dubai stroke the UAE was a real hub for that going forward. Okay, we got COP28, but that's a conference for a few days. It's not a major global event like an expo or a FIFA World Cup. What do you make of this theory that actually some of those demand drivers will not be present in 2023? Okay, so we have a different, uh, slightly different view on this. Although the big events that you mentioned, uh, some of the ones that you have mentioned, they are uh, not here in 2023. But Dubai's appeal as an international hub for business, tourism and leisure, it is attributed to its strategic, multi-pronged approach to hospitality sector that includes establishing a world-class infrastructure, 
providing safe environment and organizing a plethora of events and activities that are essential elements to attracting tourists and travelers from around the world. And we have seen this in the past as well, where because of these reasons which I have mentioned, there has been a strong demand and strong attraction of international visitors, which has made Dubai one of the top 10 global destinations. Great talk to you, Faraz. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for getting up early to join us, Faraz Ahmed there. He's an associate with JLL Mina. 13,000 new hotel rooms in Dubai this year. Thomas Faraz seems to think we'll have no trouble in filling them. It reminds me of a comment um, from one veteran hotelier here in Dubai who ran, I'll give you a hint, he ran Jumeirah Group for about 25 years. Oh. <laughs> Gerald Lawless. And he remembers being here. I think it was late 70s or early 80s. And they just, or Dubai, or someone had just built the Hyatt Regency. Okay. You know, the one down in Deera by the mouth of the creek. I do, yeah. And he remembers someone saying to him, well, that's it now. It's a massive hotel. Dubai is not going to need any more hotels for years. And Gerald said, I don't know. I think Dubai might pick up. We might need a few more. And, you know, ever since you get these massive hotels. I remember when the Emirates Towers were being built. In the big office block, big, big hotel. Who's going to stay there? It's 400 odd rooms. They'll never fill it. Newsflash, they did. They did. <laughs> and they continue to do so as well, don't they? Uh, we also had that report out, didn't we, over the course of the of weekend, the Byland Department releasing their figures for 2022, uh, issuing, they issued a total of uh, 9,047 real estate permits, 6,479 real estate licenses throughout the whole of last year. What does that mean in terms of growth? 46.6% um, growth, 53% uh, 46.6 and 53% respectively on permits and licenses uh, according to, uh, when compared to the previous year according to the stats department yesterday as well. There you are, yet more uh, evidence of the fact that uh, yet more developers, yet more organisations are looking for the licenses and the permits to, to build here at the moment. Yeah, I was talking to one a business associate from out of town yesterday saying can it really be sustained, this boom in Dubai? And my answer was, well, not forever. Mm. But, you know, a lot of people we spoke to said maybe 2023 will slow down. January's been booming. It has. Um, yeah. You know, the economies are cyclical. Markets are cyclical. I get that. There will be a cycle. But we're just, we're still at the peak of the cycle. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.